thank you. We praise you this day that we can gather here and worship you together. We are your body. We are bonded together through Jesus Christ. And so bind us and, and unify us as we worship you, as we come under your word now. We just pray that you would lead us and guide us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome here, everyone online and present. Um, our last 9 a.m. service for a season. We don't know how long that season specifically is. Uh, most likely, for sure, on Easter Sunday, we'll have two services because we just got to make room because we're going to invite our friends to come and, and celebrate the resurrection with us. That's a big deal, right? So um, we're kind of grieved because, like, if right now, if you blow it at 9 o'clock, at least you can kind of recover in 11. But now it's like we got one chance, make it or break it, and, whew, you know, so, you know, there's pressure on you know, all of us that are, you know, involved in this. But anyway, we're looking forward to it. It is a chance to get to know each other, connect with each other. And so I'm not here next week, and neither is Elisa, because um, we're going to be going away. Because, see, 15 years ago, we were coming up to our 10th anniversary. And we had a almost five-year-old and uh, an almost three-year-old. And life is busy with toddlers and also, we found out that Lisa's pregnant, and so so we're in this zone of like, now what? Like we're gonna now we're we're just now we're gonna become outnumbered, and we're just kind of diving into the the deep end, you know, with the you know cement around our feet. Like we're you know this is it. So we were like, well, like what should we do? We had scrimped and saved, and we had this little chunk of money in the bank we, that didn't actually. It was the first time in our married life that we actually had, had that right, and so so and, and there we live in this house that was a fixer upper, nineteen seventy or whatever. It had these drafty windows and other issues, and we we're like, you know, we kind of need windows in this house. But we're coming up to our 10th anniversary. Uh, Grandma and Grandpa are willing to watch the kids for a few days, and we had another friend, so they kind of shared the, the, the care between these two, and so we're like, you know, we, maybe we should go away. And, um, and so we just pulled the trigger. At least seven months pregnant, we got on a plane, and we went to, to Italy for this little tour, and and, you know, we've never, ever, in all those years, looked at each other and said, you know, should have bought those windows. <laughs> never, ever. So, so, anyway, here we are. We got other things, we, you know, but we're doing this. It's our 25th anniversary. So we're going uh, to celebrate that. And so we're not going to be here next week, but we'll be here back after that. So, anyway, that's, it's important for us to do that. We want to celebrate. Uh, I was reading again this week, one of the best things you can do for your kids is to have a good marriage, right? That's one of the best things you can do. And it's also the best thing you can do for your church is to have a good marriage. Without my marriage, I don't have a ministry. I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't met Elisa and married her, and she has been my, my faithful companion. She's had to put up with my preaching for 25 years. And anyway, I need to just uh, reward her for that. <laughs> so we're going away. So that's what's happening next week anyway. And I'm looking forward to that. Listen to what God's Word says in Luke chapter 9. Uh, it's kind of the middle of his ministry. Uh, and Luke records this incident where people are coming up to Jesus and um, are indicating that they would like to kind of join his movement. And it's an interesting exchange here in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. He says, as they were walking along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, which sounds really good. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have dens and birds in the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's an interesting kind of response. 
it seems like this guy thought maybe Jesus was going somewhere, you know, some mansion, some, you know, rich place, some job with incredible benefits. And Jesus is like, look, I got, there's nothing, there's no benefit package in, with this, if you understand, if you're coming with me. There's no guarantee, you know, there's no five-star hotels. If, if you're with me, we're just dependent on the Father in heaven for our care. So if that's what you're into, then join me. But, you know, so he, he, he corrects that, man. And he continues, he says in verse 59, Jesus said to another, follow me. He invites this guy. But he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Which seems like a good thing to do. But of course, if you know the first century context, if his father was named to be buried, he wouldn't be on the road with Jesus. He'd be doing that. But evidently, he's got this old man at home. He's like, well, he's going to die any day, maybe any month, any, in, the, in the next couple of years for sure. So I just need to look after that. Then I can follow you. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about discipleship today. And this interchange here is not the one we're dealing with. We're going to go back to where we were last week. But there's something about following Jesus that is at one point exciting, but at the other side, just paralyzing. And yet, in that invitation is an opportunity to discover rest like you never knew it before. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so I hope you've come here today to just be ministered to and to discover God's word with me as we walk through it together. And so we're going to take up this morning's offering. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the text together. So would you just join me in prayer as we continue to worship together? Lord, we thank you that you invite us to follow you. Today, there's many reasons why we, we don't want to, we don't like to follow you. And so we just ask that you would just expose those to us today. Help us to find the rest that you want to give us. And so we come in with hearts of worship, with hearts of surrender. And even this act of, of bringing our gifts to you, those that gave online this week, Lord, we know that that, that is a point of surrender, and so we, we thank you for each gift, each giver. And just pray that you use this offering to promote the gospel and to help us make disciples here at New Life with our kids, with our teens, with our young adults, with our adults, Lord. And, and so maybe we will invest this, this, these resources, Lord, to share the gospel and to build up believers so that we can be on your mission together. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. So I admit that actually this wasn't where I originally planned to go today. 
I was going to jump into the idea of, of a healthy habit is community, and that, that's, a, that's a sermon for a future day, but I felt like after last week, and then on Wednesday night, I was teaching this class here in, in the sanctuary on, on how to study your Bible, and we were talking about application. And I thought, did, did we actually talk about applying this text last week? I said, I, I think we can go back to it and, and talk about, actually, what does it actually mean to to discover the rest of Jesus. And I would suggest that that idea of a healthy habit of surrender is a component that Jesus invites you and me to, to, to experience and, and to step out in as we uh, experience his rest and then discover the, the rest of, of, of surrender. And so that's what we're going to talk about. But the truth is, we all feel burdened. I got a picture here. Like you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, right? That's Atlas, right? Sometimes that's what life feels like. I just can't get this off, this weight off. And that was the same in the first century when Jesus was doing ministry, and it's the same today. The pressures of life, of decisions, of health, of career, of relationships, all these things. And then the world situation, right? This just the weight. And unfortunately today, we know too much, Right? A hundred years ago, they didn't know what was going on across, unless until, you know, someone, a letter showed up three months later. Oh, by the way, there was a war. Oh, it's over. But, you know, by the time the letter gets here, oh, you know, I can't really worry about that because it's already done, right? But now we see immediately, boom, boom, boom. We see the stuff. We see, we hear all this information. We have to process it. And what it actually does is it creates this, this heavier burden. And so we find ourselves at this verse, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. And just, I'm going to read through it. And, and watch, follow along with me as I read it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. My load is not hard to carry. And so Jesus recognizes that even in the first century, there's this pressure upon people to carry the burden of, of religious performance religious duty and Jesus invites everyone to say come to me and you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest so verse 28 is the rest of salvation that's you believing in Jesus Christ for the promise of eternal life based on his death and resurrection that's you discovering that God will accept you in Jesus Christ and he'll forgive your sins and he will declare you to be righteous and you will have a new standing with God. This is the rest of salvation. This is the, this is the rest knowing that I don't have to keep working to try to earn something that, that God has freely provided for me. The rest of salvation. It starts there. It's you saying, I'm not guilty anymore. I don't carry the shame of my past with me anymore. All those horrible decisions I've made, the bad choices, you know, the, the, the moral failures, all that is left behind. When I come to Jesus, I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm given a new life. Uh, Corinthians would say, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new or she is a new creation. That's the whole idea of our, our church, new life, community church. We're moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. So that's the salvation rest. But then in verse 29, he invites us to something else. This is the next step. It's not the same thing. It's now you've received this. You, you now have a, you know, a, a, a coat hook in the father's house. You are his child. He, he set a, a plate for you at his table. 
You belong. There's actually drawers with clothes and your name's on the tags. You are his child. But now he invites us to something more. Sorry, no, no. We're just going to stay on that text. Just leave it there. On, yeah, until I tell you. Yeah, that's good. We are belonging to him. And now in verse 29, he invites us to take the next step. He says, take, take my yoke on you. Now, I... I brought the yoke out last week. I'll bring it out again just for all you to see this ugly, heavy, you know, with hooks on the end. They can carry weights with this. You know, you can hook it up to animals and it pulls things. And, and it, we all carry a yoke in life, a burden, an obligation, a responsibility. And Jesus says, I've got another yoke for you. Can we exchange yokes? Would you give me the one you've been pulling? And I'll put mine on your shoulder. Mine fits better. I'm a way better master than you are to yourself or whoever you're serving. Uh, uh, and you will find rest for your souls. He promises us that. So he's like, take my yoke upon you. And so, I, you know, we're, we're thinking about this, and, and I, I was like, you know, it's like, this is a first century image. None of us use yokes. Uh, there's maybe a few horse people here, but this, this is different than what we're understanding. So I was like, how do you explain this? Well, imagine you were growing up, say, just north of here at a farm somewhere. Once a month, maybe you came into town and bought some groceries, but your life was pretty much rural, uh, inexperienced. You, you knew lots about cows and fences and all that stuff, but you didn't know much about the city. But then someone called you and said, yeah, guess what? You've won a trip to the mall and to the amusement park in the mall. You're like, really? Yeah, it's free. Everything's provided. You just got to get, you know, you, you get on the bus. We'll take you there. You go in, have a great day, and we'll bring you home. Wonderful. You're excited. Get on your, you know, your nice traveling town clothes, and you take the bus early in the morning to the mall and you get there and wow you know when the doors open up for you automatically woo, wow <laughs> and you walk into the door into the mall and just like oh you're just you're stimulated it's like wow i can't believe all this stuff lights people music do 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 you know you're, wow you know it takes you like a few minutes just to get acclimatized to that and then you you go in a few steps and then you see something wait a minute Coming out of the floor are these moving stairs. They just come out of the floor. Boom, boom, boom. Like, what? And people are, are stepping on that and going up, and they're not even walking, but they're moving up, standing on the moving stairs. And it's like, where do those stairs come from? And you're standing there watching it. And, and like for 20 minutes, you're just watching people stepping onto this moving staircase, and it goes up, and then they get off. And you're like, wait. So you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to try this. You get close, and you're, and you're, whoa, this is like scary. And someone behind you is like, come on, buddy. And they push you, and you, whoa. And, you, and then suddenly you're moving. Woo-hoo-hoo. You're grabbing onto the sides, and you're going up this moving staircase. And you get to the top, and then you see the stairs disappearing. <gasps> and you start going backwards, and people are like pushing you, and, oh, and I can't believe that. And you get up to the top, and you're like, wow. <laughs> I've never been out of a moving staircase. And then you see there's one that goes down. <laughs> And so you step onto that one. Oh, that's great. But then at the bottom, the stairs are disappearing. You're like, what do I do? And you kind of jump onto the thing. Ha, ha. You go back around and you go up. 
and you come back around and you go down. And for, for an hour, hour and a half, you're just, and, and then you realize about an hour in that people actually, you can actually turn around on the moving staircase and go up backwards. No way! And you're, or whoa! And then you're like, oh no, I gotta you know, get to the end and you fell on the back. But yeah, it was fun. You do it again, 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 again. Two hours you spend on the moving staircase. It is so much fun. And then you go a little further. And then you can't believe it. No way. In the mall is an ice rink. Like people are skating in a mall, in a shopping center. They're actually skating there. And so for just an hour, you just stand there and watch. I can't believe they're skating in a mall. Wow. And then you kind of wander around, and then you see these doors. These open up. People come out. And then people get in. The doors close. And then it opens up. Different people come out. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? The mystery box, right? Mystery doors, right? And it's a box, and it's like new people every time. And so you're like, I gotta try this. So you're, you're watching, you're watching, right? Okay, they open up, and you go in. And then they close, and all of a sudden, you're feeling really claustrophobic. And I can smell their breath, and their B.O., and whoa. And then you feel it. The floor begins to move. <laughs> whoa! You know, and you nearly wet your pants because you've never had that experience before. And whoa! And all of a sudden the doors open and everyone pushes you out and you're suddenly in a new spot. Wait a minute. Wow. The moving box. And so you get back in and the doors close. And then it goes down. Whoa! And then and you go out again. And then you come back in and then you go up. And then you go down and then you go up. And pretty soon, like an hour and a half later, you've had so much fun in the moving box. You decide to go a little further into the mall. And you go a little further and suddenly you discover that there is a dugout in the mall. Can you believe it? They've put water in the mall and then in the dugout is this boat. Wow, I can't believe there's a boat in the mall and there's stuff under the water and, you know, submarines. Wow, I can't believe this. And you're just watching the, the boat and the people and it's like, oh, and pretty soon, you, you know, you don't realize it, but then the mall's like, the mall will be closing in half an hour. Please prepare yourself to, you know, and so you go back to the moving box and you take that a couple times and you, you have fun on the moving stairs and you get back to the door, jump on the bus and you go home like, wow, that was the best amusement park ever. And you get home and some of your friends have been to the amusement park and they're like, yeah, what'd you think of the amusement park? Oh, was it awesome? The moving stairs, the mystery box, the, the, the ice and the water and the dugout right in the middle of the mall. They're like, wow, yeah, did you go on the drop of doom? The what? <laughs> what about the roller coaster? The roller what? I saw like carts. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. There's like, there's like a train. And then there's like this play area with like a big pool full of balls that you can just jump into. It's disgusting, but it's fun at the same time, right? You know, I mean, I guess, you know, and so this is a few years ago. They probably got rid of that now. But back then, you know, they had that, still had that big thing of balls, you know, a breeding ground for germs and bacteria. But there it was, so much fun. Like, what are you talking about? I got there and I went on the, the moving stairs. I went in the mystery box. I saw the skating rink. I saw the, the ship. And he's like, oh, no, but did you know like, there's like the, the swinging pirate ship? No. What are you talking about? He got into the mall, but didn't experience what he had really was available for him there. And verse 28, we can come to salvation. 
But then miss verse 29 and 30 because we're just stuck looking at moving stairs and riding in mystery boxes. And meanwhile, Jesus stands at the gate of the amusement park with all the fun and, and good times and, and experiences behind him and saying, just come on, let's go. And we're stuck gawking at the pirate ship and watching people skate. Did you even go skating? No, I just watched people skate. You mean I can, I can, I can skate? Yeah, there's skates there. Really? Oh, you know, you had the pass that would let you on every ride, and then what you're doing, you're riding the escalator, and you're getting in and out of the elevator. And there's so much more available. So much more. And Jesus takes the burden of our sin off of us in verse 28. Yes, you're no longer, you're forgiven. You've got a status with me. We're good. And then he says, let's move forward in this relationship. Wait a minute, Jesus, I'm just riding the escalator right now, and I'm just figuring out this mystery box. And he's like, come on. There is some great things that we can do together. And in that, you will find this incredible rest. What Jesus is inviting you and me to is this, what we call in, in biblical terms, in the Bible, you know, Christian language, is discipleship. It's to be a follower of Jesus. Join me and, and, and uh, reorient your life around my life. So when Matthew writes this gospel in, in the first century, like, like, like obviously he's not asking you to, like Jesus didn't walk around with like a big semi-truck full of yokes. And when you believe in Jesus, he'd like throw you one. There you go, throw that. Try this one on for size. It's a metaphor, clearly. And throughout the gospels, he will use these metaphors when he talks about discipleship. And so in Matthew chapter 4, I don't have this on the screen, but just check with me. He's walking along the seashore, and he sees these guys on their boat, and he's like, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, bring your nets, and we're going to throw them over their heads, and wrap them up, and tie them up, and fill up them. Like, that's not what he's meaning. It's a metaphor, people, right? You know, but what he's inviting them, is, and what they do, they leave their nets, and they follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, he comes to the tax collector's booth. And there is Matthew, Levi, the tax collector. He is the pariah of his community. He has sold his soul to Satan because he works for the Gentile Roman government. He is a friend of no one. He has all the security of his life could ever need, but his yoke has not brought him peace or joy or rest. And Jesus invites him to follow him. Essentially, take my yoke upon you. And so he leaves the tax collector booth and follows Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So when he says, take my yoke on you, he's like, be my disciple. Or if you're a tradesman or a tradeswoman, you'd understand, become my apprentice. Uh, learn under me. Come on, I'm, I'll teach you how to navigate life. Just come alongside, I'll, you know, I'll show you how the tools and then how life functions. Just learn under me. Oftentimes rabbis would do this in the Jewish culture. They would invite you know, the, the smartest and the brightest to join them and, and to train to become rabbis themselves. Um. You understand, when, when Jesus invites the fishermen and he invites the Levites, it's because they didn't get that invitation as kids to become rabbis. 
they weren't the brightest and, and the best. They, they were like the C-plus students, right? So they went out to become fishermen and, 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 you know, eventually to become, you know, accountants and then crooks working for the government, you know. And, but now Jesus invites them to back into, with him, to follow him, essentially to take his yoke upon them. And because he says, I will be a better taskmaster than the current yoke that you're carrying. You know, for... For the fishermen, it was the yoke of responsibility. Aren't you going to carry on the family business? Some of you understand that. Aren't like you? Come on, it's all set up for you. Aren't you going to do it? For, for Levi, it's like, like yeah, he's got the yoke of the Roman government on his shoulders. A great job, great pay. He's got, he's got armed protection, but no peace. And Jesus says, I've got a better yoke for you, Levi. I've got a better yoke for you guys, the fishermen. I, I, I'm inviting you to a whole new mission. And so there's this um, illustration that's often used about the, the chicken and the pig. And I'm not going to tell it, because I think Tony Evans tells it better than I do. But just a quick minute and a half, here's the video of the chicken and the pig by Tony Evans. Surrender is simply, yes, not my will, thy will be done. Like the story of the chicken and the pig. They're going down the street one day. They come to a grocery store. There's a sign in the window. It says, bacon and eggs desperately needed. The chicken looks at the pig. The pig looks at the chicken. And the chicken says to the pig, pig, let's go help out the grocer. I'll give him the eggs. You give him the bacon. Pig say, you crazy chicken said what's the problem pig said it's real simple for you it's a contribution for me it's the whole thing most of us don't mind giving God an egg here and an egg there here the egg there an egg everywhere an egg egg we'll we'll give God a little something something we'll give God an egg and an egg and an egg because you can lay an egg and walk away but God wants chitlins, pork chops, ham hocks. He wants the whole pig. And to give God bacon, you can't do that without giving up you. We are afraid like the pig. If I give God the bacon, there'll be nothing left. If I give God the bacon, there'll be nothing left. Jesus makes this incredible promise of peace and rest for your souls. But it comes when we surrender our lives to him. And we surrender to his authority and we surrender to his mission. That we recognize, and this is, this is a problem for us, right? Especially in this part of our, of our country. I mean, we, we love being independent. We love calling the old shots. We love controlling things. And this is just the nature of, of who we are. Like our, our, our great-grandparents and our grandparents came here because they were pioneers. And they, they were change agents. And they're like, we're going to create a new life for us. And so that was the culture in which, in which you know, our, our parents and our grandparents grew up in. And here we are. And then God comes along and says, give it up. Follow me. And we got to embrace that authority that God has. 
And with that comes this implicit trust. Can I trust Jesus with my life? I'm already saved. I'm already part of the family. But now he's like, I don't want you just to have eternal life in heaven. I want you to have the real life right now. I mean, that, the eternity's dealt with if you believe in Jesus. But now he's like, but you can actually have rest right now. And that only comes when you follow Jesus. You can get in the door, but you can hang around the foyer for the rest of your life. And ride escalators and elevators and look at skaters and, and, and indoor dugouts. But you'll miss out on the rest that Jesus has for you and me. And the reason we entrust and surrender our lives to Jesus is because he's gentle and humble in heart. So the picture of discipleship is this abandonment of our lives in order to take upon ourselves following and the leadership of Jesus, surrendering it to his authority, surrendering to his mission. He says in Matthew 10, verses 37 to 39, I have that one up there, yes. Whoever loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It's like, whoa, isn't that kind of crazy, Jesus? But he's like, I am demanding to be first place. He says in verse 38, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me will find it. So again, a metaphor, people. He, Jesus didn't have a bunch of crosses and, you know, and, you know, in a, you know, ox cart behind the disciples and they're throwing. I mean, this is like a swear word in the first century. It's like handing out, like, hangman's nooses today, right? Or little, little images, of, you know, little, little like, uh, uh, you know, electric chair things, you know, or, you know, lethal injection, you know, kits. Here you go, you know, join me. You know. You're like, well, that's, that's such, such a scandalous image. But what he's saying is, yes, following me is a death to your old life. And you are taking on a whole new life with me. He'll say it again in chapter 16, verses 24 to 26. And I'm just sharing this with you just so you get the composite picture of discipleship. He says in 16, verses 24 to 26, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, whoever want, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it benefit a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life? Or what can a person give in exchange for his life? And so we come back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30 there. I'm inviting you, Jesus says, to surrender to my authority, to surrender to my mission. For some people, like the disciples, it was literally leaving the fishnets, leaving the tax collector booth. But for others, it's simply now in the life where you are, you embrace Jesus as your leader and you seek to, to forward his mission in the place in which you are. So in the shop where you work, in the, you know, the, the, you know, the operation room where, where, where you're sitting at a computer, in, in, in the office terminal, in this desk, in, in the classroom at school, I mean, in all those places, you are now on the mission of Jesus Christ in the place in which he's placed you. It could make a boring job really exciting when you understand that there's actually eternal purposes behind the reason why you are in that healthcare situation, why you're in that educational institution, why you're in that office or that, you know, or on, on that job site. It's because God has you there for a purpose. And now you've, you've surrendered to his authority and you've surrendered to his mission. And you are on mission for Jesus right there. 
you know, in agriculture and, and wherever you're working. I mean, we have people in, in every field in this church, but God wants to use you in that place. I tell people, I'm like, I'm so glad you're there because if I walked in there, they heard me, the word pastor. It's like, okay, you know, let's you know, turn our backs to this guy. Let's stop swearing. Let's, you know, like, let's put on the, you know, he knows our sins and they don't talk to me, but you have an opportunity there. And Jesus invites you to walk into that place with the yoke of Christ on your shoulders and, and show them something different. Our lives should have a qualitative aspect that is different than those that don't know Jesus Christ. Because he promises that his yoke is, is easy and his load is, is light. It's not hard to carry. So there should be something different about us. Jesus gives us a new purpose a new passion, a new perspective, a new peace. And so let's just package this together. Okay, Pastor Mike, what are you talking about? I, I become a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ for the promise of eternal life. And now I want to take his yoke upon me. What, what do I do? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to publicly identify as a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't have secret followers. Uh, you're on a secret service mission in the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your job site and with your family and in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. You're on duty. You're undercover there for sure, or covered and undercover. But, but, but when it comes to, to being a disciple, you, you're, you're out and, and open with it. And so the way you do that in, in the first century and even today is you publicly identify in baptism. You, you're lowered into the water. You're raised up. It's like I'm, I'm identifying with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so you get baptized. You say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's the first part of taking up your cross is just putting it out there. I mean, you know, here I'm celebrating my 25th anniversary. You know, when you're in the dating phase of life, sometimes you, you get to this place where it's like you, you just want to play the game. And I'm, I'm thinking from the guy's side here for, for a minute, right? And the girl's like, are you ready to commit to me? And you're like, well, I kind of like to keep my options open, you know? <laughs> and usually girls like that, and if they're good girls, we'll move on. Because they're like, ah, either you're into me or you're not. I'm not into being your Monday girl. And you got Veronica as your Wednesday girl. And Betty as your Friday girl. And Madge. I'm, I'm not doing that game. Are we going forward or not? And I've had friends that played the Archie comic game. And they're still single at my age. Because it is a game and, and you never win it. But at some point I say, no, I actually I really like Elisa. And, and, I, you know, and if I had a phone, I would delete all the contacts of my former girls that I liked. And I would take my, my name off social media where I'm connecting with those people. And I would, I would align myself completely with her because this is the direction I'm going. And then when I get engaged, I'm like, I'm like yeah, this is it. And we get married. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any girlfriends that I talk to. None. At least and I have friends that we talk to together, but I have no relationships with any females in which my wife is not a part of. Why? Because there's an exclusivity to that. But I made a public declaration 25 years ago, the end of this month, at a brick church across the town, and I said, I will marry you, and I commit my life to you. We will do this together. Why aren't we willing to do that for Jesus? And so as I come, I publicly identify with Jesus, 
then I begin to say, okay, what is the kingdom idea of living? And so every day I get up and, and, and I seek just, okay, Master, Jesus, Lord, friend, leader, what do you have for me here today? And I feed my soul from his word. And as I do that, actually, I, I talk to him throughout the day. In the morning, but then I'm driving, uh, you know, in between, I, I just, he's there, and we have this conversation, it's this dialogue, this companionship, this is a healthy habit of being a disciple, is that, you know, I, I've publicly identified, but now I'm, I'm learning, I'm listening, I'm talking, I'm hearing, and then I discovered that, that he wants to, you know, I come home to my house, and I see that all the stuff I have is at his disposal, and he's like, yeah, you know, someone needs some help or you got a bit of, you know, the, the bank account's getting pretty full there. I think you, you, could, you could distribute that to some people that need it. And suddenly I'm at his disposal. I discovered that he really likes when his family gets together. You know, and now that I'm a dad, I get that, right? And, and I get that, you know, from, 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 from my parents and my in-laws. It's good to have the family together. If you got children, you understand that. You, you like to have the family. God likes his family to get together and to get along. He's that kind of father, right? And Jesus is that, is that kind of savior. He likes it when we get together. It's important to us. Uh, and, and, and I come to church not just to receive, but also to give. Because I understand that, that even if I'm not serving on the schedule downstairs or making coffee or greeting, but there might be someone here that needs to be encouraged. And God says, I'm sending you to, you're going to church tomorrow because I got a mission for you there to serve me there. Maybe you come and you're like, oh, the snow hasn't been shoveled. And you grab that shovel and you start shoveling. You're allowed to do that in your life. You don't have to be you know, told. You don't have to get permission. You can start shoveling. You can wop, wop up the water on the floor. You can help out. That's okay. You see something needs to be fixed. You can fix it. Because you understand that my life is, is to serve the Lord now. I'm, I've surrendered to his authority. Now I'm surrendered to his mission. And my life is a service for him. Every part of it. And that's what it means to grow in Jesus Christ, because the older you get, the less of the old person is there, and the more Christ is. You don't hold on to your possessions, you, you don't hold on to your schedule, and oh, I want Sunday mornings to sleep in. You're like, I need to be part of the family. I need to serve. And when I serve, I grow. And when I grow, I want to serve more. And when I serve, I want to bring other people in to serve with me. Jesus invites us into that. And in that is this rest. Or you could just keep running the hamster mill of your life. I got a business. I don't have time. You got time. Oh, my kids are in this. My kids are. You got time. You make time for the things that are important to you. And Jesus is like, am I important to you? Go enjoy sports. Go on trips like me and my wife are going to do. Do the things. Healthy, be healthy, be healthy, be healthy. But understand that in all of that, Jesus wants you to take his yoke and to serve with his strength and on his mission, under his authority, and to discover this habit of surrender. You releasing control so that Jesus can work in and through your life. That's why I'm not using the word commit, because commit means I control it. But surrender means I give it up. Here it is, Jesus. I did this in 1995. I said, Lord, my life, anywhere, anytime, any place. And then I was like, whew, are you sure? Anytime, Lord, as long as it's, you know, nice. And any place, as long as it's warm. And, you know, and, you know, and, you know, and, you know. but it's like, no, no, here it is, Lord. A blank slate, I'll serve you. 
and he's carried me through this adventure. And when I serve him and, and rest on him, I, I discover that, yeah, it's, it's way easy to serve under his leadership than under my own. So I'm inviting you to take steps of discipleship, all of us, and discover his yoke, which is easy, and will give you rest for your soul. We'll help you to navigate this tumultuous world in which we live, where there's pressures and burdens and weights and anxiety and fear and all these yokes that are just kept throwing, you know, people throw at us, but then when you have Jesus' yoke, they just all kind of fall off because his yoke is superior to all of those. Or you could just keep riding up and down the escalator jumping in and out of the magic box that goes up and down. All the while, Jesus stands at the entrance to the amusement park and says, come on, you guys. Let's jump on that roller coaster. <laughs> Let's buckle into the job of doom. There are greater experiences waiting for us if we will follow Jesus Christ. Team, would you come up? We're going to Closing the song, but today I, I'm speaking to you. If, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the first verse there is the key one, right? Come to him and discover the rest for your souls. But now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's inviting us to follow him, to take this step of surrender to his authority and to his mission. That's what new life's about, moving up and out of new life in Jesus Christ. And we do that together. And we'll talk about together more, but I wanted to just talk about discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus. I don't want you to just ride escalators all your whole life. I want you to get on the roller coaster ride of G with Jesus. Yeah, this is scary sometimes. You might throw up a few times in the ride of, of life, but you got Jesus with you. And that makes it qualitatively better than anything else you could do yourself. Let's discover Jesus. Would you pray with me and then the team's going to lead us. Lord, we recommit our lives to you today. We surrender. We come to you with open hands. And we declare that you are Lord. We surrender to your authority. We surrender to your mission. Wherever we are, with whatever we have, Please use us. And may we experience your rest and the ease of your burden as we trust you, as we declare ourselves to be your followers. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you will give specific application to your people today. That you would bring conviction and clear action steps to their minds that they can begin and experience more of you in their life today. I pray this in Jesus' name. So here we are. Uh, next week, we're all together at 10 o'clock. If you're on the serving team, be here at 9.30. We're going to have a quick little huddle in the foyer and pray and just, and just sort of recognize that we're serving together. I thank you for your patience with this. We have to be flexible in new life, and we've been that way the last couple of years, and I appreciate that about the church families. Like, we want to just do good ministry in an effective way, however we can do it. And so for this season, we're just going to you know, just constrict a bit so that we can grow out stronger at the end of it. That's our goal. We want to create spaces for people to come and to hear about Jesus. And if our parking lot is crowded and there's no seats in here, then they, there's no room. But for a season, we're going to just crowd in so we can get stronger, 
so they can grow out more effectively. And I'm going to, we're going to send you and you're going to be active in this mission with the team as we serve together. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great week.